having a good time at church, celebrating what God's doing together. Praise the Lord. And we're in a series of Jesus community. That's who we are. Are we perfect? No. Do we have weaknesses? Absolutely. Do we want to be real? Yes. Vulnerable? Yes. Rely on God? Yes. And most of all, focused on Jesus. We're learning. We're growing together. And we're focusing also on a question during this series. How can I bless? How can we bless someone? That's a mindset shift. Honoring God. This is what the Bible says. We're blessed so we can be a blessing. And a Jesus community is continually blessing people. So we can wake up in the morning and say, God, who do you want me to bless today? And God has given us and given you so much words of encouragement, gifts and abilities, resources to bless other people. This is an active series. And we're looking at the book of 2 Corinthians. You can turn there right now. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 or find it on your phone. And today we're going to be looking at a change of plans. Anyone have a change of plans recently? Okay, a lot of changes the last, let's say, two years or maybe two days for you. Would you agree when there's a change of plans, things can get messy? Life can get messy, relationships, work, finances, churches. There's a lot that can get messy with the change of plans. And today we're going to look at a change of plans and a whole bunch of things that get messy. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are good at all times. You are trustworthy at all times. You are wise at all times, God, and you are our rock. And Father, help us to think through, decide, collaborate well in times of changes and be sensitive to your spirit. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We live in a changing world, a rapidly changing world. Have you noticed that? Sociologists say that the number of changes and the pace of changes, it's increasing, it's accelerating. As we see this playing out, I just keep saying every day we're getting one day closer to Jesus returning. Amen. We're one day closer today than we were yesterday to Jesus returning. And with all these changes happening, we realize there's a lot of changes that are out of our control. And there might also be a lot of changes that we don't like. And those are realities, and the question is, how are we going to respond to a world that's rapidly changing? I was with a gathering once a month. I get together with pastors in Auburn, and we were sharing our heart, praying for each other. And a couple of them commented they've been surprised how many families have moved out of the area. In the last two years, what percentage of their church has just gone. And one pastor started to say, I've never seen so many people move to small town Idaho and Montana before. I've just never seen that. And another pastor said, it just seems like everyone's moving to Texas. Like somebody said, all Christians just go to Texas. And and then of course, uh, the sunshine Arizona, when you go through a Seattle winter, a lot of people are thinking maybe it's time to move to Arizona. So there's a lot of different motives. We don't get into any of that. And the important part is prayerful decisions. If God's leading you somewhere, go. And ultimately, I think we all have a desire for something far greater than this world and this earth. And that desire is real. We're longing for heaven. And sometimes we just think, can we create heaven down here on earth? I want to point out that there are so many people that are called to stay right here in the sound. And not go anywhere, but stay right here and shine the light and the love of Jesus. 
to pray to God for transformation in the sound, for restoration in marriages and the family, for people to turn to Jesus and turn to God to see revival in the sound and healthy churches in the sound and go where God leads you. But if he's calling you here, then together, let's be a Jesus community shining the light and the love here in the sound. Right here in Auburn. Right here in Auburn. And there are some parallels between the spiritual environment in Corinth and the spiritual environment in the sound. And it does get difficult, and it does get messy, and the Apostle Paul in the new church at Corinth is trying to sort through these things, and there's a lot of changes. We're going to take a look at a passage today that covers changes, options, you know, decisions, reactions. I think it's a passage that's very real. Apostle Paul's very vulnerable. And ultimately, I think it really brings a lot of courage to followers of Jesus. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. Now, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. We have done so not according to worldly wisdom, but according to God's grace. For we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. I hope that as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Because I was confident of this, I planned to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I planned to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. When I planned this, did I do it lightly? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say yes, yes, and no, no? Here's the first truth from this passage. If you listen to God, he will often guide you from the original plan to the new plan as you bless people. As you're blessing people, God, in listening to God, he will guide you from the original plan to the new plan. What about this acronym BLESS? Five components to it. How are we going to bless people? Jesus, he lived to bless people. The Apostle Paul, he's going from town to town to bless people. It was their commitment and their passion. As followers of Jesus, our commitment and passion is to bless people. Begin with prayer and start praying for people. Listen to people well. Listen really well, often before you even talk. Listen to their story, their pain points. Eat meals together. Invite them in your home. Go out for a meal. Go out for coffee. Start to serve people. Find out what their needs are. People around you are in a lot of pain, have a lot of needs, a range, financial, emotional, relational, spiritual. What are the needs? How can you serve them? And then start to share. Share your story. Share your life. Share the word. Share an invitation to church. Share about Jesus. And when you start to live that lifestyle, so many people's lives are going to be transformed And God will work in you to do amazing things. Is it going to be easy? No. There's a real cost to following Jesus and blessing people. But it is a wonderful, amazing life. And it's the way Jesus lived and the Apostle Paul lived. And you say, wow, that looks so tidy and neat and nice. Bless people, an acronym, five components, real practical. Got it. This is where I want to pause and tell you, when you start to bless people, it's going to get really messy. It's going to get really messy because life's messy, ministry is messy, relationships are messy. When you go out to bless people, it's going to get messy, and it gets really messy right here. And Paul knows that, and he begins with a confirmation and an affirmation. 
Well, why would he begin with a confirmation and an affirmation? It's important in our relationships to bring affirmations and also to bring clarity and confirm certain things. He begins this way because it's really, really messy. And in Corinth, there's a group of troublemakers. There's a group of false teachers. They call themselves apostles. And they are doing so much damage, and they are attacking others, and there's gossip and slander. They're going after the apostle Paul, and they, they're attacking his motives and his message. And they're going after the church in Corinth, and because of what they're saying and doing, the church is being attacked and not really growing in the way that the church should grow and flourish spiritually. And because of this attack, Paul is going to say, listen, here's my conscience before the Lord. I've been straightforward. I've been sincere. Perfect, no, but honoring the Lord, single-minded. He has my devotion. My motives are to glorify Jesus. He says, that's my motives. My message, it's the word. It's reliable. It's true. It's the gospel. That's my message. I tell you as sincerely as I can, that's my motive and that's the message. And Paul is in a mode when there's a lot of attacks and confusion and gossip and slander of saying, here's something very clear. And I want to affirm you, Corinthians, because yes, your salvation is real in the Lord. And God who begins a good work is faithful to complete it. You're going to continue to grow in your faith. And I believe that in the middle of all the attacks, you're going to grow in your faith. And he speaks a good word to the Corinthians, an encouraging word and a word of reality. And then he enters in to this change of plans. It's good to have a plan. Plans are good. I like to use the phrase plan in pencil uh, because you want to listen to God. It's good to have a plan, but also a plan in pencil. We can so often in life either make excuses or make a plan. And a plan is helpful because it brings people together. Collaboration gives clarity. You're listening to God. You, you need a plan, uh, led by the Spirit, but also having a plan. And as that happens, Paul had a plan. In his original plan, when you just take a look at this map here, and this is present-day terms on this map. Corinth is in Greece, present-day Greece. And he's going to come from, and you don't see these cities on the map, but he's going to come from Ephesus, which is in the east. And then his plan is to go to Corinth and then go north to Macedonia. And back then, you know, the Ephesians to the east. And then we have the Corinthians. These are the letters you read in the Bible. Then go north to the Thessalonians. Go north to the Philippians. His plan original plan was to visit Corinth twice. To go once to Corinth, go north Macedonia, and then come back down and visit Corinth again. In fact, at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he says, after I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. And notice what he says there. If the Lord permits, if the Lord will, plan in pencil, following the Lord. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door of effective work has opened for me, and there are many who oppose me. Great work that God's doing in Ephesus, lots of opposition. This is the plan in pencil, to visit you once, to go north, to come down, visit you a second time. What Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians is that there's a change in plans. Have you had a change in plans recently? And what does that do to your emotions? I mean, if they're excited to see Paul twice, going to spend some time with us, now he's writing us instead of seeing us. Now there's a shift here. 
there's going to be a lot of disappointment with a change in plans. And Paul's new plan is he's going to begin by writing them. And this is where Bible scholars disagree because there's two lost letters. We have First and Second Corinthians, but there's two lost letters. And then Paul talks about a painful visit in the next chapter. Well, when does that tie in chronologically? This is what it boils down to. In Corinth, they're not growing, and part of it's the false teachers, but they're not taking uh, the steps forward they could spiritually. They're really stubborn with some of their sin. And there's some stuff going on there that Paul can't come by for a visit and just celebrate. He can't pretend like, oh, it's just all joy. I'll just come by for a long visit. It's just wonderful. He knows if he visits at this time, he's going to need to rebuke. He's going to need to discipline. He might need to tell some people to leave the church. He's going to need to confront people. Have you ever been in a role where you know the right thing is to discipline? To confront? What about parenting? Have you ever been in a role where the right thing to do is rebuke someone or maybe even someone needs to step out of the church or some people need to leave the church? Have you ever been in that spot? That's what Paul's feeling right now. He says, I want to come to you with love and joy and a celebration, but what's going down in Corinth? I can't bring that celebration. Like if I come right now, it was painful. What's going on there? It's, it hurts my heart, but I'm going to need to come in. And he's not afraid of that. Listen, fear is not the motive here. He's not afraid of that. He'll have the difficult conversations so often. But he senses right now it's not time to come and do a big fake celebration. It's not time to ignore the issues, but it's not time to come. It's better to write because if I come, it's going to intensify some things in a way that's not helpful. Do you see how there's a change of plans? And he's listening to God. He's trying to make wise decisions about some realities and some spiritual stubbornness in Corinth, and it's a tough spot to be in. Change involves difficult conversations, difficult decisions, and sometimes difficult results. And there's a relationship risk as well. Uh, this is true on so many levels. We celebrate what God does. And now, I mean, it's easy to say, wow, look what God did in Corinth. Woo, amazing. Took that place with all the idolatry and darkness and prostitutes everywhere and like raised up a church and saw so many people get saved. Wow, in Corinth. But there was a lot of difficult decisions and conversations along that path. Uh, I think sometimes at Grace, we celebrate. We say, wow, we're out of debt. Praise God. And we sincerely are. You know, or we celebrate, look at now we're really balanced, multi-generational church. Wow, look what's going on. Or we say, amazing, multicultural. We love what God's doing. Or we say, media ministry, God's word is, you know, reaching, you know, all around the world. Wow. And there's so many praise gods. But there was also a real, real cost. Because anytime there's change, there's difficult conversations. And Paul's heart is hurting. He cares for everybody. He loves everybody. He's trying to navigate these changes. Not unique to just this church. Almost every pastor I talk to, and then elders at different churches, are trying to figure out how much change, what do we change, when do we change. And elders and pastors don't always get it right. Sometimes it's something too early or something too late. And, but trying to navigate changes is part of leadership. And maybe you feel that in your family, trying to navigate some changes. Or if you're a parent, or trying to navigate changes in the workplace. Or maybe you're part of a nonprofit. And it's like, how do we move and shift wisely? But then some people aren't going to be happy with that. And, and that's the real challenge right there. Uh, the tension that we feel. There was an article from pastor in the sound, Peter Chin, in Christianity Today this week. And he was very vulnerable, kind of like the Apostle Paul, that tone in 2 Corinthians. He's very vulnerable. 
And Peter Chin says, I've reached my breaking point as a pastor. He's right here in the sound. He's sharing his heart. Barna's done some research that 38% of pastors had real serious consideration to quit the ministry in the last year. You just said, how many pastors are really strongly, seriously, considering stepping out of ministry? What percentage would you say? 38% in the last year. And he says, just health protocols alone. (laughs) You talk about different areas and navigating. He says, if we're too strict, it could really damage the well-being of the church. If we're too lax, it could result in some people getting COVID or maybe someone could even die. How do you navigate that? And he he says he feels like every decision, every situation, people are on this like hair trigger ready to just walk away. And if it's not in line with their personal convictions or their personal preferences or their political perspective, there's just an unrelenting criticism. And so many more people are so much more unhappy just about everything these days. And he says, I've been in ministry 20 years. And this was interesting. Even the advice as he went to godly counsel, some people said, don't leave the ministry. Don't make a rash decision during a tumultuous time. And other people told him, you really need to step out of the ministry and, you know, voice your concerns and your grievances and you need to make a big deal about this. And he was like, wow, even the advice, it's kind of a microcosm, fragmented, feels chaotic and unclear. So this is where he came back to where he found his peace, chesed, God's faithful love. God is faithful at all times and all seasons. And his role, whether he's a pastor or not a pastor, is to love people well. The God who blesses us is the same God who we can rely on as we bless other people. And he says, that's where I found my peace. And I think that the Apostle Paul finds a peace as well in this passage and in this book but he is wrestling through it and it's not easy he's going to modify the plan as a result this is what happens he makes an adjustment so slander goes up gossip goes up criticism through the roof and what the critics because some people that are against you or undermine you will guess your motives and then they'll criticize your motives and that's what they're doing with paul He's trying to be honest, but what they're saying about Paul is he's self-serving, he's not sincere, he doesn't have a commitment to the church because he's not coming to visit, he's not committed to the church, and they just start to blast him and spread it. And he's modified the plan. John Maxwell says that trust is based on competence and character. When you think about trust, it's at the core of every relationship. Where Trust can go up, trust can go down. What's it related to? Someone's competence and their character. Those two things. What are they saying about the Apostle Paul? He doesn't have the competence. He can't lead. And his character, he's wishy-washy. He says he's going to visit. Now he doesn't. You can't rely. He doesn't have character. And that was the criticism aimed at him. Now, um, the culture uh, overall, you could say, it's getting a little more intense to be a Christian these days. And I think The church, the body of Christ is getting tested. The the heat's getting turned up. And I want to encourage you if you're feeling that tension. Because, listen, if you're going to follow Jesus and declare your allegiance is to Jesus in this culture, there's going to be more people that criticize, undermine, and come after you. If you hold on to the Bible in this culture, it's getting much more difficult to be really popular. 
and we all like to be liked, and we all like to be popular, and it's really hard to have both. If you really like to be comfortable, it's hard to have your allegiance to Jesus in America right now and be really comfortable. And something's got to give. What's going to give? And my encouragement to you, as the culture changes and people's spiritual views are changing, my encouragement to you is that it's better to be with God than to play the game of conforming to the world. When you think about the people we are inspired by in the Bible, Moses knew, even though he was scared and he didn't feel like he was the right guy or he had enough gifts, but what did he do? With God, he told Pharaoh, my people need to go and worship. That's what he did. He spoke there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew it was better to be in the fiery furnace with God than to play the games of idolatry in the culture. Daniel was in the lion's den because he was more committed to God and to prayer than to being comfortable. Peter and Paul, you know what's going to happen to them? It's going to be prison. It's going to be slander. It's going to be beaten. And you know what else? They're going to be criticized at every turn. They're going to watch loved ones being killed. That's just the norm that they decided internally my allegiance is to Jesus. This culture can change however it wants to, but I'm going to be with the Lord. And those deep convictions and those deep beliefs are so important. I encourage you to do what you need to do. Spend some time alone with God. Spend some time in the Word. Look at how Jesus lived. And don't be afraid when people criticize falsely, when they undermine you, just keep listening to God, honor God, and allegiance to Jesus in this world today. Say, so, well, where's the positive? This is where the Apostle Paul pivots and moves to the positive. Let's take a look at verse 18. And uh, here's, here it comes. You can just feel the confidence in God growing right here. He says, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not Yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes us both stand firm, us and you, stand firm in Christ and he has anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is yet to come. Preachers like that verse. And so through him, the amen is spoken to the glory of God. When God gives promises, we say in our spirits, amen, may it be so. We agree. We're with you, God. And we declare that because what do we know? Uh, we know it's healthiest to do this. Focus on the presence and promises of God as you humbly stand firm and faithfully serve. Focus on the presence. Focuses on the power. Focuses on the promises of God. Where's your focus today? Where's your focus? Here's a simple thing you can do to shift your focus. When you're tempted to be discouraged about what's going on in the world today, pick a promise one of God's promises, and declare it. Amen. Declare it. 
Instead of just finger pointing, complaining, you know, grumbling, despair, you pick a promise. And when something in the world happens that feels discouraging, you declare the promises of God. Let it be just a real springboard to move into God's presence and shift into prayer. Paul is learning how to do that. And uh, when, when you think about um, the gospel, and that's Paul's confidence right here, he's focused on the gospel. There's a camp coming up this weekend. I'm going to ask you to pray this week. Over 90 of our middle school and high school students are going. I think there's about another 25 adults that are going next weekend. Amazing time focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can we pray for our next generation at our church? It's going to be an amazing time next weekend. Uh, Paul says this is the gospel. Jesus is faithful. This is the gospel that Christ died for our sins, buried, and he's risen. And in his name, there's eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. And Paul says, I'm going to preach that gospel because nothing's more important than the gospel. It is powerful. It's clear. I'm not just going to say it. I'm going to live it in a dark culture. I'm going to double down and go harder with the gospel in love and in truth. That's his posture. I think Jesus does the same thing, knowing that God is faithful. So let's stand firm with God. Let's stand firm with his word. And when you think about Corinth, now we can turn to the left here to the book of Acts, and this is his second missionary trip. He goes into Corinth. Say, well, what was happening in Corinth? How did this church get started? Well, as we look at Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 4, here's a glimpse of the church beginning in Corinth. Paul steps into this very dark city, and this is what he does. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, teaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul, notice there, there's the tension, there's the opposition, they became abusive, look what he endures, he shook out his clothes in protest, and then he declared, your blood be on your own heads, I'm clear of my responsibility, from now on I'm going to go to the Gentiles. So Paul left the synagogue, went next door to the house of Titus Justice, a worshiper of God, Crispus, you picture the names here, the Gentiles, the synagogue ruler also, and his entire household, they believed in the Lord Jesus. Many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. So what you see as Paul goes into Corinth, he's going to humbly share his life, share the gospel, and then with the power of God, Many people, the spiritual environment's changing, the temperature's changing, and the opposition is increasing. Lives are changing, opposition's increasing. You know, on the inside, Paul's getting a little scared. You ever get scared about sharing the gospel? You ever get scared about going into dark places? You ever get scared about sharing your story? You ever get scared about shining the light of Jesus? You ever get scared about having integrity in your business when it might cost you your job? You ever get scared if you love the Lord, someone might just not talk to you as much in the family? You know, whatever it looks like, scared to say to your neighbors, I'm going to church today, we do. We, we, inside, we kind of shake, and we got to sort through this. And this is what happened. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack you or harm you, because I have many people in the city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. Paul needed that voice, that reassurance from God. No, stay here. Well, it's not comfortable. Stay here. There's opposition. Stay here. There's darkness. Stay here. Okay, I'm going to stay here. And for the next year and a half, 
I'm going to be faithful to live it. I'm going to be faithful to share the word and watch what God will do with changing lives. That's how the church started in Corinth. And what did Paul do in the hard days? He went back. Has Jesus called me here? Yes, he has. Okay, Jesus has called me here. Is the gospel still changing lives? Yes, it is. Am I still going to love people? Yes, I am. And out of those promises, the presence of God, he stayed faithful for those 18 months in a place where God called him to be. Listen, when there's changed lives and there's growth and there's motion or there's momentum, there's also going to be tension. The last thing the devil wants is a united church. That's why Jesus prayed in John 17. There's a cost to being aligned. There's a cost to unity. The last thing the devil wants is for people to come to know Jesus. He tries to keep blinded eyes. Uh, so, so that's just one component of, of the opposition. There were false teachers in Corinth. They were outspoken. They were undermining. You had the Corinthians. They were stubborn in their sin. When the word of God comes, it challenges sin. When the spirit of God moves, challenges sin, challenges strongholds, challenges ungodly attitudes. There's a challenge. There's a tension between the spirit of God and the flesh. And that's being played out. And Paul felt that. And then the death threats, the risk of his life everywhere you go. And the people in Corinth had to make a decision between the status quo or revival. Revival is, is simply spiritual health. Revival is a healthy church. Revival is restoration of marriages. Revival is prayer starting to take over. Revival is honoring God. Revival is, you know, multiplication, disciples making disciples. The word revival just kind of covers all that. Do you want all that in Corinth? Or do you just want to stay how things are right now? Which way? And you come back to the promises of God, and you build confidence in God. God's promises can't be stopped. They can't be changed. They can't be overturned. They can't be canceled or removed. And when you focus on the promises and presence of God, you gain a confidence in God, a courage in the Lord Jesus. You bring a clarity. You communicate that. Is there a cost? Yes, but Paul's going to carry on. The promises of God are not just kind of nice. Some people act like the promises of God. They're just nice. And, and you put them up in your bathroom or your bedroom. And you just look at them once in a while. The promises of God are so much more than that. The promises of God are radical and they're powerful. When you talk about the forgiveness of sins in heaven, the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, when you talk about the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, I mean, the promises of God are just not kind of lukewarm and nice and might, might make a cute you know, thing to post. Uh, you can put them in your house. Nothing wrong with that. That's not a sin. But I'm, I'm telling you, more importantly than just on the wall is when they grip your soul and you gain that confidence in God and you go after it like Jesus did and like the Apostle Paul did. And uh, Russell Wilson just went through maybe his toughest season ever uh, for the Seahawks. I mean, not only the win-loss column, the injuries, just all the talk and everything else. He was just interviewed, and uh, this is what he said, simple and powerful. This might encourage some people here. Russell Wilson is one of the most outspoken people about Jesus in the NFL. I mean, he just is always talking about Jesus and talking about his faith. And this is what he said, love big, serve big, forgive big. In the toughest season of his life, what do you do? Love big, serve big, forgive big. What are you going to do in the situation you're in right now? That's a pretty good exhortation. Love big, serve big, forgive big. That's the path forward. 
And that's what the Apostle Paul does. He loves big, he serves big, he forgives big as he's going through this. Is Paul preaching to himself in this letter? I think he is. Do you need to preach to yourself? Probably so. Every day, the front row says. Back row says once a week. Front row says every day. We're good. We're good. Uh, you know, preaching yourself's a good thing. I'm preaching to myself. My, my, my best messages are, are usually from myself. Uh, Paul, what does he do? He finds a few people that have allegiance to Jesus. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Find a couple people that have allegiance to Jesus and run. And then he also is not going to vacillate about the word of God, the gospel, and the promises of God. He's not going to vacillate with that. And instead, he's going to keep Jesus primary. Keep Jesus primary in your life right now. Well, it leads to this last part, which is have confidence in the Holy Spirit who will lead you with both smaller changes that are linked to far more significant changes. I want to tell you, you are priests. Not because I said it, because God says it. You are his ambassadors where you live, work, learn, or play. Not because I said it, but God says it. You are his sons and daughters. Not because I said it in his family, but because God says it. His family, his ambassadors, you are his priests. When you look at the Old Testament, two things that stand out with priests. Blood and oil. Say, well, what's going on with blood? They're sacrifices. In fact, animals are sacrificed. And that's a whole other topic that's pretty complex. But all of it is leading to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Because through his costly sacrifice in death, we have the forgiveness of sins. And the priests, as there were different sacrifices, and there was blood, and it was not neat and clean, and there was you know, forgiveness of sins. And listen, our forgiveness is 100% through Jesus Christ. The priests were involved with blood, it's also representative, as you follow Jesus, there's a cost. Not to earn forgiveness of sins, but I want to say there is a real cost to be faithful to Jesus. It's worth it, but there's a cost. And then also there's the oil, and the oil represented the Holy Spirit, foreshadowing, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And the oil is not just a little bit of oil, but there's an overflow of oil. And the priests need to what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You are not priests just to be priests on your own and try harder. You need the Holy Spirit when you leave here. You say, well, I thought the Holy Spirit, that's like a one-hour-a-week relationship. No. You need the Holy Spirit when there's marital tension. You need the Holy Spirit when you're parenting. You need the Holy Spirit when you show up for work tomorrow morning. You need the Holy Spirit when your neighbor can't figure out how to break free from alcohol. You need the Holy Spirit to come alongside. And so, yes, there's a great cost to blessing people and living for the Lord. And yes, we need the Holy Spirit. And Paul's emphasis here is on the Holy Spirit, like a seal. What's a seal? A seal, well, that's your identity. They know when there's a seal in the ancient world, you can say, well, here's the identity. And you know who the owner is. Another way of saying that, you are God's property. Amen. You are bought at a price. And God is so invested in you that the one who deposited the Holy Spirit in you, you have the Holy Spirit in you if you have put your trust in Jesus, is also the one who will pour out his Spirit so you can be filled with the Spirit during the week. And there's no limits to what the Spirit can do in your life. An overflowing oil, an overflowing anointing, saying yes to your identity and who you are and who you belong to. And that's the Lord. That's the Lord. So small changes... 
yeah, there's some small changes here. There, there, some people are making it a big deal, but the small changes were the changes in travel plans. It's not going to be two visits. It's not going to be a visit right now. There's going to be a letter. There's some wise adjustments and navigating. There's some smaller changes. Those are not massive changes, but those are some changes that are happening. They're not the main thing, but there's some changes that Paul's walking through and writing them down, trying to bring clarity. Clarity is kindness. This is what I'm doing. Okay, so the changes are there. Changes aren't easy. They bring tension. But the changes that Paul is making around his travel plans are linked to bigger changes to help the Corinthians grow in their walk with God, to see more people turn to the Lord in Corinth, to have God's timing, to write down things that are from the Lord and not just going to bless the Corinthians, but are going to bless future generations like us. Paul's own personal growth Paul pouring out his heart. Paul relying on God. Paul becoming more like Jesus. There's all these macro changes that are linked to the micro changes of a change in plans. When there's a shift or a change, just pay attention to the micro changes, but also what is God doing on a macro level for his kingdom in the times we're living in right now? Because the small changes are always linked to the macro changes. And Paul's laying this out and they're taking this in. Again, the Holy Spirit will empower you. The Holy Spirit doing a mighty work. The Holy Spirit. That's where they're, they're like this. Paul changes plans. Paul changes plans. Paul changes plans. And Paul's like, the Holy Spirit, the promises of God, revival in Corinth, faithfulness to God, becoming more like Christ. And that's what they're sorting through. So how is God guiding you? And if you want to take a next step right now, I'm going to, uh, on the screen, the reason we do this is because people want to take next steps with the Lord, and they're like, well, what could I do right now to take a next step? You can text the church phone number, and we've got some options. You want to put your trust in Jesus for the first time? So many people are. There it is. You just text the word follow, or you want to get baptized. We have baptisms that are going to be coming up. You want to get baptized, text the word baptized. You want to get in a life group and get connected. Text what you want to serve and use your gifts here. Uh, what is it? Leadership, what's your role that God is leading you to do? And we ended last week in a unique way, and we're going to end, last, end this week in a similar way. Last week we talked about God's comfort, and we had people stand up. It was a powerful time. Uh, we had people stand up who really sense they need God's comfort, and then we prayed for those people together. A Jesus community and we're going to end this message very similarly together, a Jesus community. You know it was beautiful last week when different people stood up to receive comfort uh, and we prayed for them? There's just some conversations that happen spontaneously after that. And people care for each other and love each other. And we're not just here just to watch a church service. We're here to encounter God and pray for one another and be the body of Christ. And uh, as God leads you. So what we're going to do today is we're going to pray again, and we're going to pray for people that are going through change, going through change. And I'm going to ask people who are going through some changes right now, and maybe you step through them and there's tension, or maybe you're just praying for wisdom. But this is a time where God is moving in your life. The Apostle Paul was listening to God, and you've been listening to God. And you know that God is asking you to make some shifts. They might be personal in your walk with God. They might be relationship shifts, spiritual shifts. Maybe he's telling you and you're trying to pray, do I stay here or do I move? Like, like what is the decision? We want to pray for those people together right now. 
So if you're considering or in the middle of a change right now, and it's not easy, maybe there's some tension, some hard decisions, hard conversations, will you go ahead and stand up? Just go ahead and stand up where you're not going to have to say anything or explain anything. You just stand up if you're going through a situation right now where there's some real change involved and it's not easy. And uh, we appreciate, we appreciate as we look around this room, brothers and sisters standing up. And for the rest of us, I want us to extend our hands just towards someone. Don't move over and touch them, but just extend your hand towards someone who's standing up right here. And the, the Bible says that when someone's going through something and there's a burden, we can join in together and support and care for and pray and carry some of that. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to give burdens to the Lord, and we're going to ask God to move in the people's lives who are standing right now. Father God, we thank you that you know us and you know our journey and you know our situations. And change is not easy, God. It's not easy to navigate through changes. And they happen on many levels. And God, we pray for clarity today to know your voice and your voice that says, this is the way, walk in it. God, we trust you when you say, don't make the move. And we trust you when you say it's time for change. And God, we know change involves relationship risk and change involves faith. And we pray for the people who are standing up, God, that they would hear your voice. God, that you would comfort them by the Holy Spirit. God, in their hearts, they would surrender to you. They would surrender it all to you. God, we are yours. Our life is yours. It's all yours. And so we surrender afresh today. And in that surrender, our heart's cry is to glorify you, God. In these changes, you would be glorified. In these decisions, you would be glorified. Give wisdom today. Give courage today, God, to walk the road that you've laid out. And we thank you, God, for the example of Jesus. We thank you, God, for the example of the Apostle Paul. We thank you, God, over and over in Scripture, the faithfulness that we see to you, Father. We're inspired, we're grateful, and we need your help. God, touch these ones who are standing with comfort, with clarity today, with your compassion today. May their lives bring you glory in a mighty way. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Yo, subscribe to YouTube channel. Subscribe to this channel. Yo, subscribe to YouTube channel. Subscribe to this channel.